Because with certain deals, when you just wholesale them, you are leaving a lot of money on the table, sometimes three times as much. So why would you not want to make $30,000 when all you have to do is put some teams in place, some processes in place? This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. What's up, guys? You're listening to the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Hardy. And today, we are going to switch gears. And instead of talking about wholesaling virtually, which is what I love to talk about, we are going to talk about flipping houses virtually. So after watching episode after episode of HGTV's Flipper Flop, now you want to flip houses. You are excited. You see the big checks that they make at the end of the episode. And not only that, you see the creative side of it, of real estate investing, when you get to actually be creative and pick out fun finishes and tile and all that good stuff, right? Isn't it fun to watch the big reveal at the end? It is. Honestly, it is. And it's super satisfying. Not that wholesaling isn't satisfying, but there definitely is this creative element that buying the property yourself, improving it, adding value, adding value to the neighborhood and the community, there's something about that that you really can't replace. And if for anybody who might be interested in house flipping, I urge you to do it. But the problem is some areas are easier to flip houses than others. Maybe you live in an area where the houses are super high priced, like me. I live in Orange County, California. The average house price here is $900,000. Maybe you live in LA, Seattle, Washington, D.C. area. Maybe the area you live in is super saturated. Everyone's trying to be a house flipper. Or maybe you live in an area where houses don't have that much value, so you really can't add any more to get any more out. Or maybe you don't even want to be trapped down to a certain area. Maybe you want to be able to move. You want to be able to travel the world. But you know that you have to pick one market area to work or maybe a couple. So what do you do? Well, you've got the wrong assumption. You are assuming that you have to physically be there. And I get why. I get the reason why. The reason you assume is because on all those TV shows, they are actually driving to the property and they are actually walking in and they're touching the walls. So you're assuming that you need to be physically present. You need to be that person doing that to be able to pull this off. But guess what, guys? Plenty of investors flip houses out of state, me included. And my goal with this episode is to share my perspective on out-of-state flipping so you can change yours. Now, why would you even want to listen to this episode? Why do you even want to consider house flipping? I'm going to tell you why. Because with certain deals, when you just wholesale them, you are leaving a lot of money on the table, sometimes three times as much. So why would you not want to make $30,000 when all you have to do is put some teams in place, some processes in place? Imagine this, your wholesale fee would be $10,000, but if you took some extra time, you took eight weeks, you fixed the property up, you can make 30. What is a better outcome there? And in today's marketplace, 
with so much access to, you know, properties and people going after the same deals as you, it makes a lot of sense to have more tools. You need to figure out how to squeeze the juice out of every deal because deals are getting harder to come by. So house flipping is definitely a skill that you need to learn, even if you're virtual. So in this episode, I'm going to share with you a few things. I'm going to talk about the key members that you need on your team when you're virtual. I'm going to talk about the inspection process, what you need to do to make sure you're getting a good deal. And then I'm going to give you a little secret, a little hack I have to always making sure that the deal I'm buying is good. But before I get into this episode, if you love it, if you love this episode, if you think somebody else will benefit, make sure that you share this episode with anyone you think might benefit. All right, so let's get into it. Who are the key members of your team that you need? Number one is you're going to need a really good general contractor. You want a general contractor that you can trust. Try to get somebody that maybe was referred to you. Your GC is going to handle the entire construction process. So you really want to make sure you choose wisely. And in my experience, sometimes you have to go through a few general contractors before you find that perfect one. Number two, the next person you need is you need some sort of boots on ground. And I call this person a runner. The runner helps to be my eyes in the sky. So I'll have my runner go to the properties every single week and take photos to make sure that there's forward progress, that you can see, you know, that work is being done, things are being accomplished, and we are on schedule. You can have that runner take videos, take photos for you, and send those to you so you can verify that what the general contractor is saying they're doing is actually being done. Now, another important member of the team is you need a local realtor. I love having a realtor on my side, but I want to make sure that I have a realtor that I can trust. I want a realtor who's going to be realistic with me about my price expectation. I want to make sure that the realtor gives me an after repair value that seems accurate. Realtors have a funny way of inflating the sale price. They always tend to say that the property is going to sell for more than it usually does. And they do that because they want your business. They want to get you excited about selling the home. I don't know if they teach that in realtor school or something, but that's what they do. So I really want to find a realtor that's not going to play that game with me because I really want to know before I buy this property if the realtor sees value in it or not. So the realtor is somebody that I go to when I first get the property under contract and ask them, you know, what do you think this thing would sell for? What do you think? Is this in a good neighborhood? Is it not? You know, tell me, do you think we should take this one down? Now, I have been in this business long enough to think for myself. So I don't let the realtor convince me to do something I don't want to do. But if I think that there is something good about this contract I have, where it might make me three times as much if I flip it myself, then I have the realtor verify my thinking. A good realtor will be honest with you and tell you, nope, you're wrong, and tell you why. So respect that. If you have a realtor say, nope, I wouldn't do this, I wouldn't touch this one, definitely that's a keeper. Okay, the next team member, and this is crucial. I made this mistake the first few times I flipped houses out of state. And after I got burned by a few contractors, I realized I really needed this key member of my team. 
And this person needs to not be me because I do a really bad job at this. I've actually fired myself from this role. I got a project manager. So a project manager for me, it's somebody that works project by project. They get paid by the project and their job is to manage the general contractor. So their job is to verify that work has been done and they will not let me pay that general contractor any installment payments until the work's been done. And in fact, they will let me know how much I should pay for the next installment. See, general contractors, especially the kind of shady ones, they will get you to make really big installment payments. And if you really get a bad one, they'll run off with your money. I actually had that happen. So when I didn't have enough experience, I ran into a shady general contractor and he said that he needed $13,000 to get the project started, to get all the materials. And I didn't really have a good project manager working with me. So I trusted him and he ran off with my $13,000 and didn't do anything to the property. So I learned to never give that much money up front. In fact, if it's to buy materials, I'm going to buy the materials myself. So the project manager really helps. And and you want to get a project manager who has experience in construction. Like they know the questions to ask. They know how to vet out GCs. So part of my project manager's job is to help me find a GC and ask those important questions. So now that you have the key members of your team, let's go into the inspection process. I prefer to inspect the house at least two times, if not more. The first time I go through is just to take photos and a video walkthrough. I prefer to get my realtor in at that appointment. And the purpose of this is now I want to know what kind of issues does the house have and do I need to send in any kind of specialist? Do I need to send in a roof guy? Do I need to send in a, you know, engineer for the foundation to do a foundation inspection? So I kind of get my idea, you know, of what the house looks like, what it needs, who else I need to walk through that home in that initial inspection. Then the next inspection I will walk any potential buyers if I've marketed the property to wholesale. And then I'll also walk in my general contractor or maybe even three of them to get three bids. So I want to know what the construction cost is going to be. And this is before I close escrow on the house. I do this as part of my inspection period. We call this due diligence. So This leads me to the last step. Part of my due diligence is making sure I've really got a good deal. Now, the best way to make sure you really got something good, because I want to have that warm, fuzzy feeling before I actually close on a property, I will market this property to buyers as if I was going to wholesale it. And I weigh out at that point what it would be like if I wholesaled it versus I flipped it. So at this point, I've used my flip deal analyzer. And I've got an anticipated net profit if I were to flip it in my head, right? Now I'm going to go and see what I would get if I wholesaled it. And I weigh that out. Sometimes a quick nickel is better than a slow dime. I hope I said that right. (laughs) But you get what I mean, right? So maybe you find out that if you wholesaled it, you would get $15,000. But if you flipped it, you would get 20. 
would you rather go through the risk of flipping it and it going wrong and you not get the ARV you thought or your contractor runs off with your money or something happens? Probably in that situation, I would go for the wholesale and I would sell the home off. But if it was something like, well, if I flipped it, I got $30,000, no brainer, I would flip the house. But there's also this other scenario. What if nobody bites? What if you market the property and nobody is interested? Well, let me tell you, this happened to me just recently. I made such an amateur mistake. I couldn't believe I did it. I forgot to look at the Google Earth image of the home. You see, again, I'm virtual. I'm out of state. So I couldn't just drive the property. And usually I'll go on Google Earth. I'll drive up and down my street virtually using Google Earth forgot to do that this time. If I did, I would have noticed that the property was wedged between two commercial buildings. Total amateur mistake. All other things considered, this property was a slam dunk. I had it for such a good price. I had model match comparables that went for like double the amount I got the home for. So it would have been an easy $30,000 net profit, if not more. But it was functionally obsolete. The property was just so poorly located. It would have been very, very hard to sell. And I have a rule. I will never buy anything that is next to commercial buildings. Um, Unless that is not very characteristic of the area, I will not buy anything like that. I don't like functional obsolescence. So yeah, had I not marketed that deal and noticed that no buyers were interested in it, I might've bought that deal. And I would have been sorely disappointed when I realized that it was right next to an office building. So I recommend always doing that because it might make sense to wholesale. So you want to have that option in your back pocket. Um, But again, it's also a checks and balances system to make sure that you are getting a good deal. So that's it. As far as my pieces of advice for flipping houses virtually, can it be done? Yes. Is it done all the time? Absolutely. Should you learn how to do it? Yes. You need all the tools in your toolbox right now. Just wholesaling isn't enough. You want to expand. Don't you want to grow? You want to build your wealth in real estate. And to do that, you need to learn how to actually take property down add value, you know, refinance it, keep it as a rental or sell it off and just put cash, more cash in the bank than if you were to just wholesale it. So I hope that I gave you some good advice. If you guys found this helpful, make sure you share it with a friend. Now, if you want to learn how to find these virtual deals, these slam dunk virtual deals, make sure you check out www.virtualinvestingmastery because I can help you do just that. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next time. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.